podcast. Uh, I'm Luke Trottier. Today we have a special guest, the uh, candidate for the P- uh, People's Party of Canada, Vancouver Quadra Riding, R- uh, Renata uh, Siegman. Thank you for joining us. And uh, um, please uh, introduce yourself. Let's okay, well, thank you very much for inviting me to be here today with you. I appreciate it. Um, so, my name is Renata Siegman. And I'm delighted to be the candidate for PPC. Uh, I've never been a politician. I'm a businesswoman and a mom. I've raised four uh, adult children, and I've done various uh, or been busy in various business businesses, including a lot of startup companies, which I enjoy. I enjoy the consulting and the strategic, uh, the development of strategy. Um, But my background is I came here as an immigrant as a teenager and I finished high school here and I graduated from UBC with a Bachelor in Science and at that time I spent a year and a half doing genetic research in uh, Dr. David Suzuki's lab. He wasn't there anymore because he was busy being on TV but it was his lab and we were mapping genes. So it was a very interesting time for sure. Um, And the most important lessons that I remember that I learned while I was at UBC uh, were question everything. So that's that's advice that has served me well throughout my entire career. Mm -hmm. And also um, science that can't be questioned is no longer science, it's propaganda, which I think particularly applies during these difficult times here right now with with the whole COVID situation. Yeah. it's, it's a very strange time in history um, for us all to be in and to look at and to try to make sense of because I think most people want to just kind of live their day-to-day life and interact with their family, go to their job. But there's times when you can't really just get away with that. So can you talk about how you came to realize that you needed to step outside of your normal routines and take on this very novel challenge for you and interesting one to become a political candidate? Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, when the virus first hit the news, basically, we were all worried. I was very worried uh, because we just didn't know what we were dealing with, uh, how the future would look like in terms of um, death rate. I mean, of course, we were all very concerned about that. But I immediately started doing research. I'm not someone who's ever watched a lot of news because I find Unfortunately, the news, they're always slanted one way or another. There's always like this, this hint of propaganda there, right? Because the news are different depending on which channel you're listening to. So I prefer to do my own research. So immediately last year when this whole pandemic topic started um, and we were locked at home, we had to stay home for two weeks or three weeks or I don't remember now how long it was, but... But I spend that entire time researching and trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. And so then as the narrative developed over time, as the months went on, I mean, we went from two weeks to flatten the curve to now it's like going on two years and life is completely different from what we've ever had before. Um, And so... I like to also look at research not only from from Canada or North America, but Europe, different parts of the world. And that's a good thing because it is accessible to us, Mm -hmm. right? Because the internet is a super powerful tool, um, which doesn't mean that you just sort of follow different chat groups or whatever. No, I'm talking about research. Real research 
is readily available on the internet. And I encourage everybody to check the narrative and, and ask questions. And if something doesn't make sense, then try and find the answer. Okay. And so pretty quickly I realized that that the narrative is not all the same. And there's many things that one should really question. Um, and so I was concerned about that. And then, um, of course, <laughs> the way it's been going in this country, one of the reasons why my, my family uh, immigrated here, and it was my single mom, my brother and I, just a very small family unit. And the reason why we came was because uh, we were looking for a brighter future than we would have faced possibly at home. Uh, and also a truly democratic country where the laws uh, are, are obeyed. And that's what attracted us to Canada. And now over the course of time, all of a sudden, especially through this pandemic, there are all these new rules and especially this new vaccine passport, which was just implemented this week. To me, Monday, the implementation day, was the darkest, darkest day in British Columbia history because all of a sudden we've segregated people. We have the ones that, that are free to do whatever and the other ones, which might be two million plus healthy British Columbians, who all of a sudden are not allowed to go into a restaurant or a store or it's just outrageous. But this hasn't just happened overnight. It's sort of progressed over the last uh, year. And so as I was watching what was happening around the world, I became very concerned. And I also became very concerned with how our um, current government is just spending money, spending money, spending money, spending money. Well, you can't do that. You can't just print money because, you know, it, it uh, creates all kinds of problems, including inflation, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's why I finally thought, you know, I have to do something. I, I can't just sit at home and watch this unfold. Um, and the reason why I entered the political realm is because laws are made in Ottawa and laws are broken in Ottawa, like right now. So it is important for regular people to get into politics and get rid of, you know, the corruption. Yeah, there is a lot of corruption. You can find that too. You can find the date on that. Um, and so I, send, I, I looked at all the different parties and the only one I can possibly agree with is the People's Party of Canada because that party stands up for us, the people. And so I sent in my resume and I didn't really expect to be <laughs> accepted. <laughs> and my kids, actually, when I told them what I did, my kids went, you did what? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but here I am and I'm really glad. And, the re and it's been difficult for sure uh, because it's so controversial, the whole election now. Um, but I want to always be able to look at myself in the mirror and know that I've done the best I can to do the right things for, for Canada. And that's why I'm here. Yeah, well, that's, I understand. I, I had a similar process. I initially was very concerned because I didn't know any better and new things that are potentially dangerous should be, oh, you should be concerned about to a certain degree. That makes perfect sense. For me, it was the realization that there was validity to the lab leak hypothesis. When I realized that, and I realized that the mainstream narrative was utterly against that, I, re I okay, so this thing's become political. It's not really about the facts anymore. And um, I've been, in my own way, concerned of the encroaching kind of authoritarianism that comes through a lot of um, 
the more left-leaning academia and political world because, well, at first, it, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, in a traditional sense, I'm a very liberal person. I want people to live their lives, and I'm very much for progressing in society in that regard, letting people live and choose what they want to do. If they want to do drugs that are you know at home safely, that's their business. And if they want to cavort around with people in all kinds of ways, that's really their business because it was centered around the concept that you're free to make those choices. And now it's suddenly not that. And I think that a lot of people still are holding on to the idea that the old left is still what the left represents. What's funny, the liberals are no longer liberals, are they? Yeah. It seems almost like they hijacked that term because liberal, there's, their, their, their whole philosophy is that you have freedom of choice. Right, and now they're the ones who are taking it away. Yeah, the, the very word itself. Yes, you know, that's it's right. Like, what, is, what does that word mean anymore? That's right. And um, I don't know if you're aware, but there was a guy named Peter Bogosian, I think Bogosian, who just um, quit a hit with a tenured professorship at uh, Oregon State University, I believe, and it's it's in protest to the overt leftist wokeish ideology that's pushing against him and his ability to teach. And he's not the first one, of course. Mm -hmm. But it's, he had a resignation letter that was posted and well articulate on this issue. And so I think what happened is, what's happening is that a lot of people don't want to realize, don't, aren't able to see that desire for control as a negative. But they, they can conflate it with this idea that this is for the greater good, so therefore I'm a good person for participating in this little uh, activity of centralizing everything around a power source. So... Can I ask then, in your political history, did you were you at one time leaning more towards one side or the other, or has you evolved to to where it is from now, from basically the same place you've always been, or, or that kind of thing? You know, I've always uh, looked for a healthy middle. I'm I'm against any extreme to the left or the right. You know, so I would like a healthy middle that absolutely supports people, and so. Um, the right that's that's not in favor of universal health care, for example, that's just wrong. Of course, we have to look after our people. That's a no-brainer, I think. In a developed society that we live in, we have to look after the people that are weaker or that aren't able to look after themselves, for sure. But I am also a businesswoman, as I mentioned, and so business is important. I am absolutely in favor of smaller governments because the more bureaucracy you have, like in a big government, the less gets done. So I personally, uh, I've voted conservative in the past, for sure. I've voted liberals too, <laughs> but maybe more when I was younger, mm -hmm. you know, so, but I'm, I stand for a healthy middle, a balance. Life needs to be a balance. I agree I, I, myself and I think that's the conclusion I've come to in general with lots of things because balance means that you recognize the, 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 the weight of options on either side of the scales and that's really important. Okay, so, so that's cool. That, that gives you a good sense of where you've come from into this. Um, where, do you, where would you like to see this go? Like, What would your ideal play out for the election look like? Do you, do you have a sense of that? Oh, for sure. Uh, I think it's unrealistic to expect that People's Party of Canada will get majority. It's because it's a new party, right? It was only uh, started in 2018. And Maxime Bernier has been uh, the leader of, of the PPC, has been in politics for, for many, many, many years uh, as a conservative. 
but then the reason why he left was he was very um, uh, disappointed about the corruption in the Conservative Party and so he was not comfortable supporting that any longer and he, so he started this party. So for a new party to really get going is not so easy. Mm -hmm. And of course, all the other parties have all of the finances in the world and they can tap into tax dollars or I don't even know where they get all the funds from. But for a new party, it's, it's difficult. Um, where do I see it going? If we could get, we meaning the PPC, if we can get like 20 to 30 good, solid PPC candidates into the House of Commons, then we'll have a voice. Because right now, we don't have a voice. So it's the voice of reason, it's the voice of balance, it's the voice that supports our constitution. Mm -hmm. Because the charter, uh, the, um, the vaccine passport, it goes against our constitution, against our charter rights and freedoms, and against our laws. Mm -hmm. And right now it seems that all the other parties are really in, on the same side. They're all pushing for this, this control of the people and PPC is the only party that says, no, 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 wait a minute. We have very strict anti-discrimination laws, we have medical privacy laws, and they need to be upheld. They are here, or they were written for a reason. So, um, so if, we, if we get the 20 to 30 good candidates uh, in Parliament, then we will be the balance. So, um, ideally, ideally, the Liberals get no votes, <laughs> which yeah. is not going to happen. <laughs> although, although you know, I think Trudeau kind of underestimated mm -hmm. his popularity, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people who are waking up and they're upset with him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, but if, if the Conservatives then get more um, uh, members in Parliament and we could work with them, we can balance it out. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the hope that I have. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, the, uh, your idea of like where this, thing could, where this could go and how the party's developing and growing. Uh, I'd like to jump into some of the policies and some of your own. One of the things that you've mentioned at some of your town halls that I've been attending is that you don't have to vote along party lines, that you're able to vote your conscience. I think that's a really, really great, but almost like obvious element to a good political system. And it's amazing to me that people don't maybe don't realize that isn't how it is for a lot of the other candidates. But uh, is there any particular issues within that that you'd like to bring up right now first, or I could ask some questions about your the policies? Well, I think that's a really important uh, uh, distinction of PPC, that we are the, the only party where we're not required to sign a contract uh, which, would, which would force us to vote along party lines. So all the other parties have that, that contract. So um, I'll give an example why that matters. Because uh, Joyce Murray, right, who's been the, the uh, MP for Vancouver Quadra for 13 years, and she sells herself as an environmentalist, which I think is wonderful. She's planted lots of trees. I think that's terrific. But there was a bill proposed that if it became law, it would make it against the law to put gray water in our ocean here which I don't know if, if many people know this, but, but the cruise ships, when they leave harbor here, 
they go out into our sound and they release their gray water, which of course is a huge environmental problem. And so on that bill, Joyce Murray voted no. And that makes me really wonder what kind of environmentalist are you? That's just crazy. But she doesn't have the choice, right? Whereas at the People's Party, we do have the choice. And to me, it'll be very, if I get elected, which of course I hope I do, it's very important to me to represent the constituents in this riding. Mm -hmm. So what's important to us, our ocean, very important, our river, our ancient trees, uh, supporting the businesses. I mean, if you go down, you know, any of, of the shopping streets, a number of empty stores, it's just frightening. And those stores have not been supported. The small businesses have not been supported at all. And so we, um, or, or uh, as for me, I will be voting uh, to support our constituents here. That's my number one priority because our priorities here are different from the priorities in the East or in the North or wherever. So that's important to remember. Yeah, um, it's along those lines too that I'm thinking about how that could, have, that could allow for the government to be run less hypocritically. Sure. Because you can actually vote your conscience even right. within the party. And mm -hmm. I think that it's underestimated how much is lost in the political discourse if people can't actually voice their own independent opinions within the group. Because, you know, I understand the importance of political parties, but it's still, group, it's still made up of individuals. Absolutely. And so my goal would be to have regular town hall meetings where people can voice their concerns. Um, and when I was running a manufacturing plant, I always had the open door policy too. So please, you know, talk to me. Mm -hmm. Let's figure this out and really represent this riding. Yeah. So that's actually interesting because one of the analogies I've been thinking about with this whole situation is the... Um, the body itself's immune system functions well when it's in good communication with the body and mm -hmm. what's going on. Sure. So if it gets hyperstimulated when it doesn't need to be, and you get a, a you know a allergic reaction sort of thing like that, or an inflation reaction, that's bad. But if it doesn't react to something that's happening that needs to be reacted to, that's also bad. But that's communication, the ability to communicate, and so the people are kind of the immune system like we are our own immune system to society and it's the things that percolate up in us that make us speak out that are like antibodies to well god Saad, the famous uh, somewhat famous um professor uh in toronto i believe he likes to call it uh, parasitical ideas these ideas that float around and become parasitical to people's minds and you say no no that's wrong that's that's not realistic and that's that's to me like an antibody response in that sense and so I, um, I know there's a lot of hypocrisy within the major parties and everything. And um, uh, one of the ones that I, I, I find with the vaccine passports, especially the idea that you, everyone has to be vaccinated, is this groupthink mentality that that solution fits everybody, but also that they can force something into a person's body without their consent. That doesn't seem to add up to a lot of their other positions in things. Um, so I was wondering, maybe you wanted to speak to that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the liberals, again, they have this policy that uh, as far as abortion is concerned, it's the woman's body, it's the woman's choice, which I uh, support 100%. But you have to take it further. It doesn't stop with abortion. It's also with what's injected into your body or any kind of medical treatment has to be your choice. 
Because at the end of the day, if something goes wrong, you're the one who's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuck with, with trying to figure it out and the expenses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if there is any kind of risk, there has to be a choice. Um, and especially with, with uh, uh, injections, after World War II, I mean, we all know what happened in, in uh, Germany with the Nazis and, and the Jewish people. Uh, that they were injected with, with, I don't know what, but things that they had no choice in the matter. And that's exactly why after World War II, the Nuremberg Code was written, which is very specific about that, that it always needs to be, uh, you need to have, or you need to be able to give informed consent, which means you're fully educated in terms of potential benefits and potential risks. That's what informed consent is and that there should be no coercion, uh, no force, that it really is your decision to have a medical treatment or not. And so with this vaccine passport, which has been implemented, that is taken off the table and that choice is taken away from you. And we can't allow that ever. For no, we cannot allow it for any reason yeah. for, at all. But there's a terminology that I picked up from um guy named Lex Freeman, who's a podcast, and he's an engineer of, or something like that, and he, he uses the term uh, first principles, and it's engineering term, which is just, you know, if you're going to build a bridge, it has to have fundamental principles of physics applied, or else it's just not going to work at all, yeah, and sure. so you don't go further down the line until that's settled, mm -hmm. and I see life like that in the sense that there are fundamentals that have to be addressed and um, always accounted for before you decide to add layers on top of that. And the idea of freedom, it, to me, I can't imagine anything else being more important as a fundamental principle because anything other than that is a life, I don't know why anyone would want to live. I suppose some people might want to live under tyrann tyrannical control all the time. But I mean, to me, that's just, it's just instinctually obvious. Why would you want that? Um, well, and of course, it's a very slippery slope. If you allow the government that kind of overreach uh, in terms of, well, it's a dictatorship kind of move, isn't it? So if you allow our government that overreach, what's the next step? You know, is the next step a social credit score? If you don't comply, you might not have access to your driver's license or passport or travels or whatever. And I think it's just way too dangerous. To, for for us to allow an overreach of government like that. Yeah, um, I was thinking about the vaccine passport thing as um, if it if it was to give get justification, it would be because it would really actually end the transmission and spread of the virus, and the virus would be over. And if that was the case, then it's like, well, oh, God, I hate it, but maybe, but. I don't believe there's any evidence that supports that it's going to do this. Mm -hmm. But it, well, if you look at Israel, I mean, it's the most vaccinated country in the world, and they've just moved the bar again. So first it was one vaccine, then two. Now if you don't have your third shot, you're not fully vaccinated. Uh, yeah. So there's this whole moving of, of the goalpost, and they have tons of cases now. So things don't add up. They really don't add up. But I, I just want to clarify, I would never say to someone, don't get vaccinated. If, if, you know, all I say is do your research. And if you're then happy with your findings, then, and you feel help, you feel um, safer that way, by all means, please do it. Mm -hmm. But it needs to be your choice and it needs to be my choice and the choice for my children and my family. 
that, that comes back to the freedom, the fundamental mm-hmm. element that I said. Right. Yeah. So if that's in place, then yes, there's totally validity, uh, total validity in making the choice to get vaccinated, but there's also validity in not. Um, well, and I think uh, an important part to remember uh, or an important fact is the safety trials will not be concluded until uh, 2023. And that's why a lot of people are hesitant. And that's why there's a whole number of nurses who are hesitant because they fully understand how important it is to have long-term safety studies. And somehow that's just completely being ignored. And one one, um, medical disaster that comes to mind where the studies were not uh, done properly or long-term enough was the thalidomide. You know the thalidomide uh, drug issue? That I, was in the I 60s. Think I've heard it, but... Yeah, thalidomide. That was a drug that was tested on pregnant women. Oh, yeah. I believe it was uh, it was to stop a morning sickness or something. I don't even remember exactly what it was given for. But uh, it ended up that a lot of women who took it during pregnancy after the safety trials, they ended up with with babies that were terribly uh, malformed, like they had, you know, arms missing or or the hands up at their shoulders. And what's interesting about that particular case is they had done a study, but only with one type of animal Mm. before before they, they gave it to humans. And in that particular animal, the animal babies were totally fine and there was no problem. Uh. So then they started prescribing it to, to women and these, these horrendous uh, malformations started showing up. So then they eventually took it off the market and they tested a different type of animal. And the different type of animal all of a sudden showed exactly the same problems in the offspring. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was the the rule was made, I guess it's not a law, but a generally accepted rule that with any drug before you, you try it on humans, you need to have all of these animal trials and make sure it's absolutely safe. So in terms of, of the COVID vaccine, though a lot of those steps were skipped. And that can be very dangerous. And at this point, I'm not saying that we will have a problem, but right now we just simply don't know. So if there are people who are concerned about that and they've decided, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try it now until all the safety data is, the long-term safety studies are done, we need to respect that. Mm-hmm. Well, not just... Not just like fun, like, of course you should respect people's decisions. Like that's, that should be a basic thing. But what I'm seeing, uh, you know, you see this more um, flagrantly on social media than you do maybe in real life, but I I imagine it's spilling over, is a willingness to almost disregard people that choose not to be vaccinated as lesser than and um, Mm -hmm. to dehumanize them to a certain degree. And that just, I can't believe people are willing to participate in this. It just shows a total lack of self-awareness because... You know, this never works out. But the reason that you give a person freedom is because they exist and you have no right to determine whether or not that is going to continue. That's not your business. Your business is your own. And to, to be willing to step into that role of saying, we're going to decide who gets to do what based on their choices. It's like you said, you know, there's 
there's where does that end? That, that I don't know. Well, it doesn't end any anywhere good, that's for sure. And somebody just recently sent me a letter, actually, that was written to the Jewish population uh, in 1942, and the letter spelled out that the Jewish people were not allowed to go to restaurants, weren't allowed to go to sporting events, weren't go. Sounds familiar, right? So that didn't end well at all. And it just shocks me. Have we learned nothing from history? Segregation is wrong, period, <laughs> the end. Yeah. End of discussion, right? Well, yeah, I think we can all agree, but going back to the people that you mentioned, that there are many people now that say, well, but I'm actually in favor of the vaccine passport. The unfortunate part is that they've been so brainwashed by the media with fear. So it's fear motivated for sure. But what I say to those people is say, uh, is, you know, I understand your fear. I was afraid too, but maybe turn off the television and start doing your own research. Look at the actual facts, look at the, the, the death rate. And the fact is 99% of people survive COVID just fine. So getting COVID is not a death sentence. And that's what people somehow um, don't realize, I guess. So, you know, do check your facts, turn off the television and check your facts. So I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about the general the bigger overview of the PPC's policies because obviously the maybe in many ways you might say the spearhead of the policies is the COVID uh, policies but at the moment at for the moment, sure yeah. for sure but um, I was really impressed and, I, and one of the people that I was kind of happily uh, able to kind of get their eyes to turn to this to the party um, favorably was my dad because he's a little rigid in his, his beliefs and it was to do with um, wanting to support Alberta, wanting to support the economy, the industry in Canada, trying to get more um, favorable situation for farmers, for, for, for business in general. And so that one really caught my eye. And I was wondering if you'd want to get into that a bit. Oh, absolutely. So Canadian business is not supported enough at all. And we're spending way too much money sending it out to support different third world countries and whatnot. But we really believe that the funds are much better spent here and trying to bring industry back because, and it's all related, uh, because we need to employ our people. So how do you employ people? By supporting businesses. And so with this COVID, um, you know, because our, our small Canadian businesses were not supported enough or not appropriately, 50% 50% of our Canadian small businesses will are expected to have gone out of business by the end of this year. Huge problem. Why did that happen? Because uh, the big stores were allowed to remain open, like Walmart and Costco, and our mom and pop shops had to close. So that's that was one issue, which of course is crazy. I mean, COVID hangs out in mom and pop shops, but it doesn't hang out at Walmart. How, how, it doesn't make any sense, right? And also with the CERB, Uh, the way it was administered was just fundamentally wrong because the power should have been given to the the management of the small businesses. And if they couldn't employ someone because of shutdown requirements, yes, absolutely, CERB was was great to help people. But then as soon as everything opened up again, then the workers should have all come back. And now Trudeau, of course, extended the CERB 
so now businesses are going out of business because the workers are not going back to work because they're being paid at home. So we at the PPC, we're all for supporting businesses, bringing more businesses back and manufacturing here, which is important um, because now we're shipping you know, our raw materials. We're very wealthy in terms of raw materials and we're shipping that out. And then we have to buy expensive goods, spend a lot of money to buy expensive goods and bring them back, which isn't good for the environment either. This constant shipping here, shipping there is terrible. Um, uh, and if we just uh, reduce that, that'll absolutely help our environment as well. But you had mentioned farmers. Uh, our farmers suffered greatly during this whole shutdown because the whole supply chain was interrupted and our farmers couldn't sell their produce and their goods to our local rest restaurants, for example, because they were closed. And so it's just, um, it seems like the government's priority was absolutely not our, our economy and especially our middle class. So we really want to support the middle class and help the businesses to open up again because that's what we need. That's the backbone of our, our society. Yeah, well, I, um, I imagine you saw the clip of Trudeau saying that uh, he doesn't think about economic policy, doesn't like to think about it. You yeah. know, and it's hard no, to... Mo monetary, monetary policy. Monetary policy. Yeah. I don't think about monetary yeah. policy. Yeah. It's like, I cannot even believe he's saying well, this. That's, it's hard to believe that's real, but it is. Um, it is real. And if you look at the uh, Canada's finance minister, I don't know if you've researched her at all, Krista Freeland. Freeland yeah. yeah, she has no background in finance, no education in finance, no experience in finance. And she's our finance minister? Yeah. Well, it's, it's just appalling. Well, yeah. And, okay, so I want to take that and uh, circle back to something a little bit. Because sure. you talked about CERB and the kind of well, terribly thought out dynamic that that has created. But one of the things that I think is pre preventing that situation from being rectified is that we're not really opened up yet, right? So businesses can't run fully openly the way they would normally want to. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's still restriction on that. Like I run a business where if I can't run fully openly, I really, it's not the right, it's not really the business. It's kind of like a, a facsimile, a, 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 like a shadow of what it really should be. And it's the same thing with like, like a restaurant where you have limited the capacity of how many people can come in. You're putting all these extra layers of complication to the process of just going and eating out. And all of that interferes with the, the sort of the smooth flow of social interactions that make the economy actually function. Sure. So as much as um, the idea, like I, I, I think your idea makes sense that you give the power of the distribution to the business so that it can supplement the employee while it needs to, but then gets the employee back as soon as that happens is also to say we need to actually open up again. We need to actually get to yeah. the point that freely function again as a society. So I was listening to um, Jordan Peterson talk to a guy, and, oh, his name's not in my head yet, um, but he was the former um, premier of New Newfoundland, I believe, and he's, he's a very vocal Canadian politician, he's a very smart guy, and he says something, I was like, you know, it'd be, it'd be really refreshing to hear a contemporary politician or a current politician talking about this. And he said, let's say we pick a date, like August or October 1st. After October 1st, we're gonna open up and get back to normal. If you have decided not to take the vaccine or to take the vaccine, that's the date by which things are going to go back. So you get to have that choice. 
and after that, it's your, you know, it's your call, it's your life. We'll support you if you, you know, if you get sick. We're not going to be determining who gets healthcare or who doesn't based on your those choices. But we're going to open up again. And I think that's that's a much more coherent message than just we're going to constantly shift the goalposts and never get things to come back to normal. And then we're going to also feed this money we're making up out of nowhere into people's pockets so they think they're doing okay when you know that's kind of just like putting a hole in the economy's boat, right? It's, so anyway, yeah, that 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 whole dynamic doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. if you're thinking long term. Oh, for sure, we have to open up. We have to open up. And if you look at, at statistics from different parts of the world, so Sweden, for example, they didn't have nearly the shutdowns. I, I'm, they hardly shut down at all. And uh, yes, they vaccinated a lot, which is fine, but they, they are completely open and, and they're fine. We need to do that. We will never get rid of this virus because that's just the way it is. Like flu, for example, we've had a flu vaccine for over 50 years. Still, every year, so many people get the flu and so many people die from it. It's sad. Of course it is. But, you know, are we going to keep shutting everything down? I mean, to what end? That's the question. Well, to what end? And that, that's the real exact point is what and what's the end game here what mm -hmm. you because there's this lack of an acknowledgement that this cannot be sustained right um, you know you might think it can but it can't it's no it's fall. crushing our middle class yeah it's absolutely crushing our middle class and and it, people should be very concerned mm -hmm. that the government might want to the current the liberal government anyways wants to make that possible by just printing money and giving it to people for no reason without that that's not how that works that you can't at least I'm not an economist and I don't have the deepest understanding, but I'm pretty sure that if you just keep doing that, it's going to fall apart. Um, and not only that, but people's, and this is more something I'm more uh, tuned to, is it's just people's state of mind is going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to sustain the desire to engage in the world healthy in a healthy way if you have no reason to and there's no hope that you can engage in the world in that way, right? Like if you run a small business and, you know, I'm talking from someone experienced here is, for the last year and a half, there's been no, there's no real reason to think I can grow this business right now. And I love what I do, um, and I want to continue to do it for my life. But I, I know I can't get this ceiling to go any higher until we go back to normal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so there's cost to that that just doesn't get ever brought up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it doesn't. That's not even part of the conversation. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right? it's, it's of not, the government. Yeah, yeah. It's like. Uh, Build back better, we keep hearing, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, is a very strange term if you think about it. And Trudeau has said it, uh, Biden has said it, the guy in England has said it, all have said the same thing, build back better. Well, I don't really see that happening at all, to be honest, because if you look at the rate of, of depression, for example, you know, it's gone like this, uh, suicides. And what are we doing to our children, our young children that are really not at risk for COVID? And yet they're sitting in their little bubble, masked like this. We're creating an, an entire new generation of potentially scaredy cats who are afraid to, to live and afraid to get out there. So the emotional um, uh, result of this whole shutdown situation has been just detrimental and at one of my um, town hall meetings actually there was a, a guy who is an insurance uh, broker 
and his company has sold supplemental health insurance through you know employers uh, to tens of thousands of Canadians and he mentioned something that really sh well it shocked me I guess he said they've not had one COVID claim but in the in the last year and a half but they've had tons and tons of claims for mental health problems for uh, anxiety for depression for sleep disorder uh, drug abuse of course and suicide so that's very interesting I, I asked him if his company publishes statistics like that because I really would like to see the exact statistics which I'm waiting for mm -hmm. um, but I have no reason to suspect that he would just sort of mm. you know pull that out of thin air yeah. uh, it's very concerning so we have to get back to normal and that's absolutely what the People's Party's platform includes is we're going to end all lockdowns, shutdowns, we're going to open up our economy, we're going to open up the borders and go back and lead a normal life. That's what it needs to be. Well, I, I, I'm, um, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm ready to go back to normal for sure. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I wish there was more conversation about that particular aspect in the sense that there are costs to mental health issues that sure. are never addressed in mm -hmm. these situations. And like... There's this weird, it's not a weird thing, I, I sort of understand it. Like people, um, human beings in general, tend to compartmentalize their understanding of the world. So, so you know, your knowledge of a car mechanics is over here, and then over here you have how to cook dinner, and you don't let those things combine because they're not related. And, that, you know, that makes sense. But the economy, for instance, people tend to think of, you talk about the economy uh, versus the COVID situation, and they're like, well, you're just heartless. You're not thinking about um, 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 compassionately about the people that are going to be sick and hurt. And it's like, but the economy is what makes life function. So if you want the people to be able to eat the food that keeps them healthy, that will give them some ability to stave off any illness, they have to be able to survive and create wealth for themselves. So the economy is like, is like the bedrock from which society functions. and It is related to compassion. Oh, no question. Of course. Of oh. course. But you just mentioned um, health. Nowhere in this whole discussion, in the um, common narrative from our government, has health been discussed, right? The only thing that's pushed here in Canada and, and uh, America as well is the vaccine, the vaccine, the vaccine, the vaccine. But if you look at other parts of the world, they are talking about health. What can you do to make sure your body functions properly? And the fact is that most people in Canada who've died from COVID had, I think it's 2.9 cofactors. So obesity is a huge contributing factor, as is uh, diabetes. So why not address health of the population and help people to really become and stay as physically healthy as possible? Because we do have a, a wonderful immune system that's developed over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And let's give our body a chance to do what its body does is designed to do very well. Um, so it's never been about health at all. Which is a really frightening sort of part of thought, isn't it? it? It is, and it's one of the thoughts that it's like, well, what are you thinking then, right? Like you, 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 you come back and you say, well, what, what is your thing? And I mean, I can get into what might be going on in different ways, but I mean, one of the telltale signs that this is just 
absolutely not about health was something I just heard last night um, that uh, fast food restaurants are exempt from the vaccine passports. So you're allowed, you can't go like eat a nice meal, but you can go eat a cheeseburger at McDonald's. Yeah, you can't go to the salad bar <laughs> at your local restaurant, but you can it, you can order, you know, fast food. It's absurd. It's, it's completely yeah, it, absurd. It, it's, so, it's so hard to believe that's a real thing. That's one of those ones where it's like, this can't be real, but right. it, it is real somehow. So. Well, I'm actually, you know what? When I leave here, I haven't I haven't bought anything at a fast food restaurant in, I don't know, decades. But I think I'll just drive over to one and see <laughs> what they try. say. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's research, yeah, right? That's right? If you hear something and you think, oh, that sounds kind of far-fetched, well, check the facts. Go yeah. check it out. So yeah. I will do that. I will let you know. I would like to hear <laughs> So I weighed all of these issues myself um, in various ways, and um, I've talked to lots of people and seen lots of responses to different things. But um, in the end, um, my heart is always a diehard optimist, and I do believe in the betterment of humanity. In fact, one of the things that motivates me is that I, I really love like the planet and people in a general sense, because I think it's a really wonderful thing to be alive. I know that that won't last forever, for, so I really value it. And that was a big part of what I was taught from my teachers too. So as much as it can seem like there's like a heavy weight weighing down upon society right now and there's all these in nefarious intentions going on and very questionable motivations, I feel that there's hope threaded into that. And not just, you know, uh, the f fool's hope, but a real possibility for better change. And the PPC, I think, is part of that for sure in Canada's... Um, but I was wondering if you would like to speak to that idea too. Oh, absolutely. So what we've um, witnessed a lot over the last few months, a uh, couple of years, is really that the government has been trying to divide us. So there's a lot of talk of that we're racist, that we're guilty, that we're this, that we're that. Well, we're, we're all people, you know, and we need to come back to... We are Canadians who live here in Canada and we need to do what's right for Canada and what's right for Canadians. And so in the PPC, we're really um, emphasizing bringing us back together because that's where our strength is, you know, where, where, uh, where hope is. Because all of that division it sort of makes people go against each other and we don't want any of that we want to unite unite people and also at the PPC we have I think it's 312 candidates uh, throughout the country and we're all ordinary people mm -hmm. so you know I'm an ordinary person and and we have teachers we have all kinds of ordinary people who are all concerned and who would like to bring us back to making Canada our first priority. Uh, also, <laughs> there was an interesting question raised by a journalist who wanted to know from Maxime Bernier how many of the candidates are Asians, how many are gays, how many are blacks, how many are this, how many are that. And Maxime didn't respond to, to the question. It was an email question, and then the journalist called back and said, well, my deadline is tonight. What's your answer? I have to know your answer, because all the other parties responded. And Maxime's answer was, I don't care. We are people. We are human beings here trying to do the best we can. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? I couldn't agree more. And I think that that is one of the fundamental 
mis misunderstandings to the world right now with so many people is this who cares if the person has a different desire to date this group of people versus that group of people or whatever else we all come and this is something else that i think gets misunderstood we all come from um history and history is a wild ride and it is not pleasant in anywhere nobody had ancestors that were peaceful their entire existence of human man this just doesn't exist so we're all the product of the same evolutionary forces we're all the product of planet that did not make it easy to survive on and then we did make it easy on ourselves for most of our own history but if there's anything i think we can learn i think you touched on it is to recognize that the the connection comes from the fact that the other person is a human being first not any other categorical thing and so i think um you know again with the the, the vaccine issue like if a person is unvaccinated and there's a desire to kind of label them as, in a negative way that way well look at that person in the eyes and really really see them they're a human being and if you're going to judge them in a way that's so negative that they're not getting, giving them the agency that another human being really deserves by being alive, then you are definitely on the wrong side of the moral argument there. Oh, for sure. And, you know, you never know what kind of load, emotional load or physical load the other person is carrying. So I have a relative who has multiple sclerosis. Well, she can't get vaccinated. So now she's going to be treated as a second-class citizen. Now she can't go to the gym to, to work on her you know, mobility issues and everything. I mean, this is just craziness. So I've always, um, I always assume the best in people. And I assume that, yes, they have a load. And I have my own load through my history, through things I've gone through. And so does everybody else. So please, let's be kind to each other. Let's be gentle with one another. And let's assume the best. That's where I'm coming from. And that's also where People's Party is coming from. That to unite us all, stop this division, unite us all, and do best what's what do what's best for for our country and our people. Yeah, and I like how there's uh, a recognition within that uh, strategy that we can get to a better place if we do this. If we work together and we acknowledge each other's humanity and uh, natural right to exist, essentially. Um, the world doesn't have to be a chaotic, crazy, you know, malignant place. It can actually become very, very wonderful place, I'm sure. And so that belief is challenged sometimes by the behavior of people in general. But I do see also the hope and especially the like what the People's Party has come to represent. And um, and I think that would be a great place to leave it because that is uh, exactly the right note. And hopefully that um, note just gets louder. So thank you uh, for joining me and thank you for your time and thank you for your effort to get involved in the world. I think it's inspirational and people should pay attention. Beware. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. You bet. Okay.